You can't sit because if you truly believe what they've just sang there, that glory, hallelujah, God has truly set me free, then you've got to give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. And you may shout hallelujah if you have the guts to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You all may be seated. What a beautiful song. It's almost like one of those songs you don't want to end. You just want to let it play. You know, we always have to watch that we've got this thing on at the right time and off also at the right time, because if you would hear how some of us would sing at the back, you would know why these people do it and we don't. So, but a warm welcome to each and every single one of you, and it's beautiful, beautiful to see all these faces. And one of these days, the mask will also come off, and then we'll see really how beautiful and how young the people of God is. Amen, amen. And we also just want to greet and welcome all our listeners there. It's weird to say we've got other churches as well, an online church, but the family is certainly extending and we're grateful for you there following us via the live stream wherever you are. And if you could only see the beautiful faces here, you would want to be here as well. But may you have a blessed time out there too. Now, you are surely surprised to see me here and you can relax because I'm not going to preach. But Pastor Harold and Maud has just gone down to KZN to be with Maud's sister, Lynn. She is currently not that well, and most of you know this. And we ask that you would continue to please keep her in prayer. And before I continue with anything else, and for those of you listening as well, I want to ask, I do feel we want to pray for Lynn as well, and for Pastor Harold and Maud, that you would just lift up your hands to the heavens as we start with this prayer, as we bring Heavenly Father... Father God in the heavens, we want to bring Lynn before you this morning. Lord, we know that so many prayers have been prayed for her, and we just want to connect our prayers with all of those prayers. What can we pray if we do not pray the Word of God? What can we do if we stand on the Word of God? We can believe that the God of the impossible can do over the God of the possible can do the impossible. Therefore, Father, your word still says that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. You still say in your word, ask and it shall be given to you. So our prayer is, Lord, that you would touch Lynn and her body, Lord, and do what only you can do in the name of Jesus Christ. Strengthen Maud and Pastor Harold and the family down there, and we ask that you will minister through your Holy Spirit and use them as mighty vessels for your kingdom. And all of us agree as a family in God, and we say, Amen. Amen. All right, well, it's time to get to the announcements, and I'm not sure if Carl Heinz is here. Is, is he? Okay, I'm sure he'll be in one of the other services, but Carl Heinz is the treasurer of the church, and yesterday he celebrated his birthday. So we just want to say congratulations, Carl Heinz, to your birthday. We tried to give him a gift, and the box almost pulled it through. 
So we just fell short on that particular gift, but the, the, the proof is there that there's improvement, you know. So may it be for you, Carl Heinz, that things will increase for you, that things will improve in the walk that you have with God. You are a blessing, and thank you for your service here as the treasurer at Little Falls Christian Center. Then I have got a beautiful pamphlet here in front of me, and for those who don't know, the bookshop to my left there has got a sale, and it says here, 35% on all items. And especially, I was asked to tell you, they've got very beautiful and special devotionals. So please go and visit the bookshop after the first service, uh, between the two services, and, e and even this evening, before, prior to uh, the evening service, as well as afterwards. Make use of this big sale. Start investing in your Christmas presents and don't be caught off guard. All right, then I just want to, two more things I want to mention. Our Saturday prayer meetings are now open to 250 people. So we want to encourage our prayer warriors, the intercessors to come and join us in prayer because this is where we obtain the victory in prayer. So join us with us. The youth is opening again this coming Friday. So I see many people of you want to go. I know the age restriction is 100 and less. So for all of you, you're welcome to come. Okay, there you know that I'm lying. I can't lie when I stand on this pulpit. Okay, between the ages of 14 and 25, please come and join our youth. Things are happening. Send your children. Send your young ones because things are happening. I promise you this. We've seen it. There's something new that's happening in the youth. And we just ask that you would continue to pray for the youth and the youth leadership as well. And then lastly, that I want to mention is that we are at the last Sunday of the month of spring. The weather is lovely out there. We've been praying for rain. Continue to pray with us for rain, that God would send it and that God would make you a blessing. The Word says that you are blessed to be a blessing. So in this morning's tithe and offering message, I want to start off by this. Many years ago, when I was here during an E1 course, the question was asked by one of the students, Pastor, how much should I give in my tithe and offering? Should I give from my net salary or from my gross? And a very smart answer was given. The question was, asked with a quest, was answered with a question. Do you want God to bless you only in the little or in the much? In the net only or in the gross? You see, God makes no provision for this kind of question in the Bible. God never says you give net or gross. God says you must give your best. He says you must bring all the tithes into the story. And he says you must bring your first fruits. First fruits, if you are a farmer, first fruit means that the farmer brings in the best of his crop, the best of his harvest, because that will be an indication of what is lying ahead. So he had to present the best before God. And you know what? There's a principle that God teaches concerning giving. God is never concerned about the price that you give. He's never put a price tag or a value on that which you give because he himself gave out of the abundance of who he is. You know, God that gave us all. In John 3, 16, we all know that God says he gave his only begotten son. That price, our Lord Jesus Christ, is invaluable and it is priceless. 
And what God is teaching us when we are giving is, is you don't put a price tag to it yourself. God wants us to do these two things. Give out of faith and give out of obedience because this is what God is after, the heart that you are giving. In the Word of God, we read of many stories of where people gave and God blessed. And here is the thing, God will never ask you to give something that you don't have. We may look at things that we don't have, but always look at what you have. And when you present your best out of that, you can expect a blessing and a breakthrough from God. There was the widow of Zarephath. She gave what she had. When Elijah asked her, she said, this I have. This I have. She had a tin of flour and she had a, a, a flask of oil. That's what she had. Another widow only had two mites. The disciples, when they came to Jesus, when he asked them, give to me what you have, bring. And they brought him five loaves of bread and two fishes. All of these people gave the best that they had. They didn't withhold, withhold anything. And when you do that, and especially in this month, and going from here on forward, if you do that and give God your best, you activate God to do what you can't do. It's a principle that was taught not so long ago by a man on, on TV, and he said this, you do what you're supposed to do and leave the impossible math for God. Because it is God's desire to give to you more than what you can comprehend. And he showed this by giving you and me his son. Therefore, be faithful and obedient to what God's word says in your giving. And you will prosper and be blessed because of this. I close off with this. Years ago, when we started our first home cell, my wife and I, it's the first time that we started being home cell leaders, we had an elderly man in our home cell, Uncle Louis Zervich, and he was 80 years old, and I've learned so much from this man, and I was shocked one day because he was retired. He was a retired uh, school teacher receiving a government pension, and it was very little, but to Louis Zervich was giving 20% of his income through his tithes and offering. I mean, at the time, I was earning much more than he, uh, what, that, that, what he was earning, but he gave 20%. And here's the thing, when Louis Zerwig never looked at his pension and gave to God because of his pension, he gave to God because of his heart. And in his heart, he was faithful and obedient because he said this, God will always take care of me. He didn't look at his pension for God to provide for him. He looked at God to keep his pension going by him and his faithful giving. He was obedient to that. And you know what? At the age of 80, he was still riding with his bicycle to church. He was in good health. He had his son and his grandson living with him. The point is this, can you be faithful and obedient with everything that you have and the very best that you have? Because I promise you this, this word doesn't lie. If God says that he will multiply, that he will increase, that he will give way beyond what you can comprehend, then he would say that because there was proof of it and this word is proof thereof. So try God in this, test him in this, the word says. Test God in this, because if you give your best, I 
guarantee you this. God will give you nothing except His best. And the proof of that is that He gave His Son. All right. Let's close our eyes as we pray over the offerings. And I just want to ask, before I pray, purpose in your heart that you do not put a value to what you give this month, but that you put your heart when you give, that you do not withhold anything and give your very best to God because God wants to give His very best to you. Heavenly Father, as we present the offering and the giving and the tithing before you for today and for this month, whomever is giving, Father, we ask that you would receive it. Purpose it in their hearts, Lord, that they give unto you as you've proved to us what a beautiful gift giving is. We ask that you will bless every person, that you will increase, and those who are going through difficulties and those who've been faithful in the giving, Father, that you will open up the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings upon them. Father, we are looking unto you to do the impossible, and we are not casting our eyes on this world. Bless the income. Bless that which is sowed into your kingdom. Multiply it. Increase it. Let it overflow. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray it. And all of God's people agree. And we say, Amen. Wonderful. You will soon see a, sort of a wild man will be preaching to you. But enjoy the word that God has placed in his heart because you will be blessed because of it. Amen.
Thank you, band. What a wonderful song. What a beautiful voice. <laughs> you may be seated. Praise God. It's so wonderful to be back in church. Do you agree? It's absolutely fantastic, I must tell you. It's been a while since we have been on stage like this. <laughs> Something to get used to. But praise the Lord. Look at these beautiful faces. Welcome. Welcome to those over the internet as well. May God absolutely bless you this day. And we're on fire. Are you on fire? Amen. Look, it's beautiful, beautifully warm outside. It's a wonderful atmosphere. And obviously, uh, the next time the Springboks will win. We believe that. We will see with us who is in charge of your storm. How many of you have been in a scenario like that? Anybody where you've experienced the waves and just, you know, the, the, the intensity of a storm? Anybody been in the middle of a storm like that on the sea? A couple of you. It's a nasty experience, I must tell you. I have once been out with the NSRI, and what I didn't know, that the person who was controlling the boat, the captain, he just got his license. So he wasn't as experienced as he should be. And what that did to me was I, I nearly felt five years old, like a little girl, screaming and shouting on that boat. I literally felt like that. And I've never prayed the kind of prayer I prayed during that intense moment. And that is, Lord, if I get off this boat, I'll never get onto another boat ever again. But God took me through it. I recommitted my life during those moments. And this message comes out of that. You know what? We, the whole planet, we are forced into situations and circumstances that we probably have never faced. And to me personally, it shows forth the times that we are in. We are truly in a time where there's pressure, real pressure on people. But for the church of the living God, it should be for us to be in another kind of mindset. And we should force ourselves into the mindset of Christ. That is the beginning of my message. 
It is about the mindset that we form in the times that we are living in. Therefore, my best thing is to experience a storm. <laughs> and the mindset we, we should have is the mindset of Jesus Christ. So whenever we go through difficult times, always ask yourself, what is my mindset and what should my mind, mindset be? And the example, the only example you truly need to follow is the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing, here's the thing that shows you if, if you are truly saved. First of all, if you are truly saved, you would have the Holy Spirit in you, with you, by you. That is what salvation is. It is to have the Spirit of God with us. And if you have the Spirit of God, then you have the mindset of Christ or should have the mindset of Christ. I remembered when I committed my life to Christ right up till that split second where I put up my hand and I said, Lord, come into my life. I commit my life to you. Right that split second, I got the Holy Spirit. That's where it all changed. And then suddenly I experienced desires within me that forced me to do the greatest study of my life. And what is the greatest study of my life and your life? And what it should be. It should be the study of who Jesus Christ is. If we don't have that foundation of who Jesus is and what he came to do, then we will always lack in our faith. So your greatest study, and I remembered this immediately opening up the Bible for the first time properly, what happened to me? The absolute intense desire to study every single word that Jesus Christ spoke because I fell in love with Him. I fell in love with His words and the way He do things and did things. Are you in love with Jesus are you still in love with him? Because your mindset determines what happens when that happens to a person. So, I want to go into the word of God now. First, I just want to read to you before I get to my main scripture. John 14, 26 shows forth, and you are always welcome to take notes. John 14, 26 shows the following, but the helper, and this is in the amplified version, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. And he will help you, here's the key, he will help you remember everything that I have told you. And these words were not, written specifically just for the 12 apostles. It is written for us that we should have a proper relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the one thing Pastor Harold have taught me through the years and my colleagues that a proper relationship with Jesus Christ is the key. It's the number one thing in a person's life. So for 2,000 years, the, the scripture I'm about to reveal to you, you know it, and you've heard probably about 20 sermons on this, but it is burning within me. I want to take you to Mark 4 from verse 35. Mark 4. 
And there's a sequence of events that I want to explain here. It started with something and it ended with something. But what I want to say about what the Lord Jesus did here, the Lord Jesus, and it's never good advice to take an investment, to take all your eggs, put it in one basket and rely on that. But the Lord Jesus, literally here, the future of Christianity, literally, he took it, he put it in one boat, and let us see what he did. <laughs> Mark 4 from verse 35. On the same day, when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the winds and the wave obey him? Just a little backdrop on what happened here. The Lord has ministered literally that whole day. So he was extremely tired. One thing about the Lord, when he put his hand to something, he gave it his all. So you can imagine that he got to the boat and he had to go and sleep because he was tired. The Lord was an ordinary human being, God in the flesh, <laughs> and he needed his rest. And he literally went down. And so the disciples had the responsibility. Can you imagine this? The disciples had the responsibility to get the Lord Jesus to the other side because I wanted to, I need to go over there. And they literally had to take him there. And that's a simple task. And some of them were, they had, they were quite experienced, specifically four of them, quite experienced in boating, fishing, water. You know, they were experts in their field. So what a better boat to have, to have four expert fishermen who knows the storms and the waves and, and what, what, whatever could be thrown against the fishermen they could handle. And I want to say that in Matthew, Mark and Luke, it shows forth what kind of storm it was. Matthew 8.24 says, a tempest. And a tempest is associated with severe violence. So this kind of storm, severe, it's a severe violent storm. And then Mark says a windstorm, and in the book of Luke, it as well portrays a windstorm. What is a windstorm? A windstorm is something without rain. It literally means a wind that causes havoc. So where does this wind come from? The Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee Basically, there's mountains, and the wind would come over those mountains at an extreme force, and then it would get rough there. That's a usual thing, a usual occurrence on that specific lake. But this time it was different, because the place 
where they were going to, don't look in your Bibles now, (laughs) the place where they were going to would show forth the kind of action that they went to. The quite intensity, but the Lord didn't tell them. They thought, I'm just going there, but the Lord knew exactly where he was going. And where he was going, he was going to meet certain a certain person. But that's not the focus. The focus is the boat currently. Amen. Come on, church, say amen. That's it. Be on fire for Jesus this day. So literally during this ordeal, all of these men couldn't handle it anymore. Now, I know what that feels like when you literally just sit there and you are waiting to die. Have you ever experienced that in your life? This is, this is bad news. So they must have been very confused. And they were thinking in themselves, you know, maybe this person in the boat, he's sleeping and we are suffering. He's not in our boat. He doesn't care anymore. How, how many of you have felt that the Lord doesn't care? The Lord is not with us. The Lord, where is he? in my storm. This is literally what they felt like. So maybe they had thoughts that maybe this is a waste of time. Why are we following him if this is the end? How many of you have felt that, you know what? I just, I've just had enough. I'm sure all of us have come to a place that there's a lot of pressure on you. We just feel like giving up. And that it's a waste of time. Why, why is it that we work so hard that every time we follow this man, that in following this man, there's just trouble all the way? <laughs> Literally, everywhere he goes, there are people smiling, and then there are people who want to kill him. And we find ourselves consistently in this battle. You know, we could have been at our home now. Nice and cozy, Let them go on. I'll be on the outskirt. I will only look in to see what is happening. And when I need him, I'll call upon him. That's not the plan. They couldn't get out of the boat. (laughs) You see, when you're in a storm, that's where you are stuck. There's nowhere else to go. You cannot swim in a storm because you'll drown. So it was intense in that boat, literally. And take that feeling of intense when you have experienced your worst storm of your life. That same intensity, but just here, they were going to die. If something did not happen, they would be dead. This is how severe this storm was. The severity of this storm. So they had the Messiah with them. And here's the thing. Here's the key. To have the Messiah with you means opportunity. A storm means opportunity. Did they use their opportunity? It's a great opportunity, this. So they reacted in a certain way, and this is how they reacted. They said to the Lord, Teacher, now, teacher, You use the teacher because you are being taught. 
But now you accuse your teacher. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So the Lord immediately got up and he did certain things. Now there's a great calm. Have you ever felt that when you got a breakthrough but your actions and your words didn't agree with the fact that I got a breakthrough and now there's a great calm and you think, I should have handled this differently. I should have done what I am being taught to do, but I did not do it. So these men literally thought to themselves, who is this person in this boat that he literally doesn't care? See, every person needs to find out for yourself in the storms that you are facing who Jesus is to you. It always shows forth if Jesus, if you have a proper relationship with him, that when the storms come, how you should think and what he thinks, how I should think. So the lessons of faith, these lessons here that we see in the Bible, these are eternal lessons. Something that we as human beings need to get over. To get to the other side, I need to get over myself and start reacting specifically in the times we are in. Specifically now. We need to make sure, absolutely sure, that we are connected. Our faith is well connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what they accused the Lord of actually was that he wasn't in charge. They knew he could do something. But he, literally, I personally think the Lord was waiting upon them. But they, they awoke him. Because we need you to sort out this mess. And the Lord wanted them to sort out the mess. You see, the Lord would always want us. Always want us. Always want us to react to circumstances the way he wants to. And this is one of the greatest examples where if they, can you imagine, can you imagine maybe Peter, because he doesn't show it meant all of them. Usually Peter would have taken the charge. Can you imagine Peter standing up in that boat and commanded the wind and the wave to calm down? What a chip it would have been on his shoulder. But not one of them did anything. Not one single. Why is it? Why is it that when the storms come, we don't react the right way? I'm taking you to a quick scripture here. Matthew 13, 21. It says the following, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And the word is always the seed that is sown in their lives. They literally sit with the master in the boat. They sit with the seed giver in the boat. And yet they did not understand that it was their responsibility to address the matter. They were waiting on the Lord. You see, the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the opportunity to use our faith. In our circumstances, God has placed every single person here in this 
on this planet for a time such as this, for a COVID time, for when the world is coming for the Christians. He has placed us for a time such as this. And how will we handle a time such as this? It is only by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Or it's either silence and I'll wait it out. You cannot wait because the thing is coming for us. The Lord is standing on the door and he's busy knocking. And the screeching of that door is opening up. The rapture could happen at any time. We need to be ready. But not hiding. <laughs> we need to be ready in our circumstances. With the following, I'm moving to a certain spot and I'm way out of time. So, here's the thing about faith building. Faith building is never fun. <laughs> to work on your faith is never fun because it, God you always uses circumstances to work on our faith. So, the, the thing is, faith building is not fun Fear is not fun. Have you experienced fear in your life? I have. Many years ago, before I became uh, a pastor coming full-time, I had five armed robberies that happened in my life. And I massively opened up the door for fear to come into my life. And I feared every single day that I would die. Until the Lord left me, and at a certain time, He literally asked me, Have you had enough? And I said, yes, Lord. And that's the time he said, I'm going to teach you what authority is in my name. And the day I understood that, that's the day I started using that. And then when you understand your authority, nothing can stand before you. Nothing. Because you know who's got your back. So, is the Lord busy building your faith? And is it fun? <laughs> you, it gets to the point where faith building gets to the place where I'm doing God's will and the fun of doing God's will is the only thing I want to do in my life. I don't want to miss him. So I need, to, I need to move on. So we need to ask ourselves, who is in charge of your storm? Because it's your storm. What happens to you, it's yours. And you have the responsibility to get you over to the other side. Because the focus and the purpose of getting to the other side is that there's things that need to happen in a person's life. So, are you speaking to your storm? Are you rebuking your storm? What is a rebuke? A rebuke literally means to take charge. I, I'm not saying rebuke your wife and your husband. That's not the plan or your teenager. Leave them alone with a rebuking. I'm taking, talking about taking charge. What does taking charge mean? Taking charge means to speak the word of God into a circumstance and a situation and knowing even if the storm doesn't stop that I have spoken and I'm still speaking until my circumstances change. We have to believe it. And what does this speaking mean? The speaking means to bring silence into circumstances. How do you bring silence into circumstances? The first thing you need to do when you speak to a storm is first to speak to yourself. 
And this is where Matthew shows it out perfectly. Matthew shows that the Lord, firstly, before he addressed the storm, he spoke to the disciples. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? Why? And where is your faith? Because your faith, every single person in this boat, your faith would have sorted out the problem. So what's the lesson? Never wake up God. No, I'm joking. Please. God is not asleep. Someone says, yeah, yeah, it's funny. You have to first, number one thing, number one key, when the storm arises, before you speak to the storm, speak to yourself. And ask yourself, how am I going to address this storm? What is my faith level? And usually there's pressure that says to you, don't speak to your storm. Leave it. You know, these disciples on the boat, Thomas was on the boat. Thomas probably said, Oh, we are doomed. I don't believe we're going to make it. Are you a Thomas in your boat? Or maybe a Peter. Peter probably said, and at this point, he's not walked on the water. <laughs> Peter probably said, Yo, should I swim or should I walk? Judas probably said, you know, protect the money. <laughs> don't let the money go away. John and James said, probably said, you know, this thunder, the wait, let me leave it there. Because they were the sons of thunder. But here's some lesson we need to learn out of when you're in your circumstances. Proverbs 3.24 says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Amen. Do you believe, do you really believe that? I literally believe that for me. So what is a command when you speak peace be still? Peace be still means... Listen to this. It means to muzzle something. One of the greatest examples in the Bible is when John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, had the opportunity, literally, how many of you had an angel appearing to you? I've not seen an angel, only my wife. But here an angel literally appears to this man, and this is what happens to this man. He doesn't believe even if an angel appeared to him. And immediately he was silenced. Immediately. He was muzzled because of his unbelief. You see, to say peace be still means to muzzle what the pressure is, the waves and the storms in my life. Otherwise, that will muzzle me into subjection where my faith is stagnant. Your faith can never be stagnant. We need our faith to operate every single day. And God gets the glory when our faith works. He loves it when our faith works. He loves it when someone will speak His word over a dead body over a circumstance that dictates. It is our responsibility to get ourselves to the other side.
So faith, God is more interested in our faith than our feelings. The moment your feelings matches up with your faith, that's the point where you grow spiritually and you mature. So that in the future, my faith and my feelings work together. My feelings said, I'm getting a breakthrough. No matter what is happening, it's coming. It's going to manifest. It's here already. You know, I'm just, where, where is it? Where is it? It's right here. Your breakthrough is on its way. So the training they received, you see, training, the Lord, this, this opportunity here was the Lord's training ground. But training should never be to cause complaining. <laughs> because of your training, causes you to complain, then your faith is dead. It's a matter of fact. Complaining, there's the worst thing in a Christian's life is not to speak the word of God and to complain about everything. That's why when we gather together, do not complain. If you've not prayed for the nation, don't criticize the government. If you are not praying, literally praying with us, and Saturdays, there's a lot of space now, okay? <laughs> There's a lot of space now. Everybody's welcome. It's time to pray for this nation like never before. So are we complaining or are we praying? So the school of the Spirit is literally the place we are trained not to complain. We are trained to speak the Word of God where it is my life's pleasure to do the will of God, to love Him by reacting correctly to him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things. We not made of things which are visible. So to enter the supernatural dimension, to control storms, to cause to make a difference, is to use our faith. Okay, I'm closing off with the following. Where did the Lord go to? What was his next assignment? His next assignment was the following. He went over to the other side, and on the other side, waiting for him, was one of the fiercest persons in the Bible. The madman. The man filled with devils. So the devils inside this person, I believe, had a, had the pro, had a, had a problem knowing that this boat was on its way. So we had to kill the Messiah and those that he would use. But Jesus came to the other side. Now you must go and read the story, Matthew 10, where the Lord, when he set, it literally says, when he set his foot on the ground, that demon was running towards him. Here's the king of kings. Here's the 12 disciples. Their training school. But it's not just the training school for them because going on from here, the following happened. There was another person who died. Jairus' daughter died. She needed to be made alive. And then there's another one. The woman with the blood flow, the issue of the blood. 
She needed the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's still the training school of these disciples. Because right after this going on, the Lord was going to do the first thing. Why he put them through all of this. He was going to send them. They became sent ones to circumstances. And this is what the Bible says in closing. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them to take nothing with them. And then on verse 12, he says the following. So they went out. <laughs> That's the purpose of the church. We get, sometimes we idolize our storms. It's everything about the storm and not about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ anymore. It's let's see how much videos we can watch about COVID. It's, it's how much do we need to understand the times we are in. There's a work to be done. And the work is waiting for us. And the work, the Lord says here, so we went out and preached that the people should repent. And they cast out demons, anointed with oil, many who were sick, and healed them. That's the purpose of storms. It's either to teach me something or to grab hold of me. Let nothing take hold of you in what you need to do for God. So if you've not cast out a demon, go to whoever and start getting the demons out of the people. Healing the sick. If you have to take a, a doctor's jacket and smuggle yourself and I ward and do it. <laughs> do whatever you must do. The time. We are in a time that the world is waiting for the true church. That's us. So, what's your storm? It's time to get out of the storm to the place where God wants you. Your faith is your greatest weapon or it will convict you to be your worst enemy. Amen. Let me pray for you. Everybody stand. Father God, Lord, we really thank you that the church, you have opened the church, Father. And Lord, we see all these friendly faces. And Father, we see purpose, destiny, devotion. See the fire of God on your people, Father. Lord, as you open up the church, open up our hearts to what we need to do for you, Lord. Lord, I pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Father God, we go out in this long weekend, Lord, to be serious with you and to ask you, Father, what must we do? Because we stand ready to be used of God in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, as well, I rebuke every work of Satan against your people. Father, I come against every work of Satan, the liar, the thief, and the murderer. We bind you and break your power and render you harmless over all the hospitals where people are sick. But we pray, Father, let a wave of fire come upon your church as your church are being used in this difficult hour. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Go in the peace of the Lord. God bless.